All right, Shavuot, say good morning. Let us begin. Beautiful day ahead of us today. Let's begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's shirt. To thank our Tamatora sponsors, Shmoli and Liwa Dinovitz, for dedicating all the shiurim this month and the schosov and aliyah for the neshama of Shmoli's father, Harav Peretz Avram, Ben Rabbi Yamin Moshe, Zechron Livracha. To thank our week of learning sponsors, Ira and Miriam Grossman. Memory of Miriam's father, Aryeh ben Moshe, on the occasion of his 20th yard site. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah and their families in Nechama. We have thank our Dafyomi sponsor, Rabbi Naftali Edinger, in the Zuchos of the birth of his granddaughter, Batsheva Cyril Edinger, the Shul's youngest, the newest member, Baruch Hashem. And we hope that in Merit Hashem, this young lady grows up to be an incredible Basi Salon and Karas Habayis Al Meve Esim Shonim Tovos. Rabosi, with that, let us begin. It is hard to believe that we have just begun our last week of Mesechas Yevamas. It, it is a beautiful, it's been an incredible, incredible journey in Merit Hashem. And we, the last week is going to be exceptionally incredible as well. Also, by the way, I just want to point out, when I say we're beginning our last week of Mesechah Sivamas, that's not like, yay, we're beginning our last week of Mesechah Sivamas. It's very, very, I say, no, it's important. It, it's like, it, it's in any relationship. In any relationship, there are times in which it's easy. There are times in which every day is like beautiful. The sun's out, the birds are chirping. There are times where it's a little bit more difficult. But it's all part of the same beautiful relationship. And it's naive to think that the challenging times are not as much a part of the fabric of the relationship as the good times. Not to say that Yavamnis is like a challenging time in a relationship, but again, it's important to understand that Yavamnis is just as important as Brachas, is just as anything else. And so, again, it, 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 we will see how Yavamnis has enriched our lives. Sometimes you don't necessarily see it Bishas Maisa when you're learning it. But Lamais, in retrospect, we'll all see how this Masechta added so much to who and what we are. And especially the last, we're going to see these sugis that we're doing are absolutely incredible and overwhelming. So we'll say, today's daf is Kuf Yud Ches, 118. We are picking up. We actually, Baruch Hashem, got through the whole block. Yesterday, a little bit over time, but uh, we're picking up on 117b, Kuf Yud Zayin Amud Beis at the Mishnah. So we'll say, continuing in this sugya, continuing in this sugya, of testimony regarding the death of a husband. So it says the Mishnah, So I'll say, this is an interesting case. Here's the, here's the situation. If you look at the Rashi in the Mishnah, Rashi, five lines up from the bottom, Okay, this is an interesting one. Reuven is married to two women, Rachel and Leah. All three of them go overseas, vacation. Not sure how that went, right? But Lamaisa, again, actually, we know how it went. They come back. Rachel says he's dead. Leah says he's not. Right? So clearly it didn't go well, right? But, but Lamaisa, you know, will say, so this is a fascinating case. See, here you have the two, the co-wives contradicting each other. Rachel says he's dead. Leah says he's not. So what's that, Lacha? Zusha omeres meis tina subasa. Zusha omeres lomes. So remember again, as strange as this sounds, so look, Rachel who said that Reuven is dead, based on her testimony, remember she is believed, the woman is believed to testify regarding her husband, once again, as long as there are two criteria intact, which are? Excellent. Shalom in the world, shalom in her marriage. So again, Rachel is permitted to go ahead and remarry, and based on what we saw in yesterday's daf, once you're permitted to remarry, you're also entitled to what? Collect ksuva. So she's entitled to be married, entitled to collect ksuva. 
Leah, who said that Ruven is not dead, cannot get remarried and cannot collect suva. Okay? Achas, we'll say this case one. Case two. Achas Omeris Meis Achas Omeris Nerag. So we'll say this is an interesting case. In case number two, Rachel comes back and Rachel says, Ruven died. Leah comes back and says, he didn't die, he was killed. He was killed. So we'll say what's interesting about this case is what? Both are agreeing that what's the current state of Ruven? Deceased, right? The machlokis over here is they're not agreeing on the circumstances of his death. Rabbi Meir Ramir says, So this is incredible. Rabbi Meir says, listen, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they're contradicting each other. So because they're contradicting each other, albeit about the circumstances of his death, their testimony essentially cancels out one another. And therefore, no one could remarry. Rabbi Yudra B'Shimon Omer, Rabbi Yudra B'Shimon disagree. They say, no. Ho'il v'zu v'zu modos. She'in kanyim yinasu. Rabbi Yudra B'Shimon says, they're not contradicting each other. At the end of the day, they're both agreeing that what? Reuben is dead. The fact that Rachel says he died naturally, and Leah says he was killed, what, what does it matter? What does it matter? At the end of the day, they're both agreeing that he's dead, and therefore, ultimately, again, both are permitted to go ahead and remarry. Hey, so we'll say that's case two. Case three. Eight Omer Meis, the eight Omer Lomes. One eight Echad says Reuben is dead. One eight Echad says he's not dead. So what's the halacha? Top of Kof Ches. Or Isha Omeres Meis, the Isha Omeres Lomes. Or a woman, for that matter, comes along and says, Reuven's dead. Another woman comes along and says, Reuven's not dead. Hare zu Ultimately, again, you can't get remarried in a situation like this. Now, both sides, we're going to clarify that case because that seems to contradict a little bit about what we learned in yesterday's daf. Because we learned in yesterday's daf that what? Any situation where halacha lamaisu, you believe in eid echad. What's the power of an eid echad? Like two witnesses. So I will say, remember again, we saw this was the first mission in yesterday's daf, that essentially once based in gifts or a heter to remarry, even based on the edus of an eid echad, that's it. It's locked in. It's locked in. And halacha lamaisu, again, even if subsequent edus comes, it doesn't reverse it. So we'll see how to reconcile that in just a moment. So I will say, let's analyze the cases. So we're going to first take a look at case number one. Taima da Amar Lomes. So let's remember again. In case number one, case number one, Rachel comes back from the overseas vacation and she says Ruvain's dead. Right? Leah comes back and says, he's not dead. He's not dead. So we'll say, what's the halacha? Rachel can get remarried. Leah cannot. So says the Gimara, Taima da Amra Lomes. The reason why Leah can't get remarried is why? Is why? Because she's claiming that Ruvain's not dead. That's why she can't get remarried. So the Gemara says, Ha ishtika tinase. We'll say, which you could infer from the Mishnah is what? Let's say they come back from vacation, Rachel and Leah, not Ruvain, right? Rachel says, Rachel says, Ruvain's dead. And what does Leah say? What does Leah say? Nothing. So what, what would you infer from the Mishnah? What would you infer? That Leah could get remarried as well. Whoa, that doesn't work. We learned in yesterday's daft that what? The both say we learned that one of the women who cannot testify on behalf of another woman is her co-wife. Her co-wife, right? Co-wives have, again, this built-in inherent animosity towards one another. So ultimately, so we'll say, so, so no, if Rachel comes back and says Ruben's dead and Leah is silent, the deal from the Mishnah is that Leah should be able to get remarried. But yet we learned yesterday's that that would not work. 
to which the Gemara said is incredible. Lo meis itzrichale. Now I'll tell you the novelty. I will say this is fascinating. See, I would have thought like this. Rachel comes back and says, Rachel comes back and says, Ruvain died. Leah says, he didn't die. So the Gemara says, here's the Havamina, how I would have interpreted Leah's words. In reality, I would say, Rachel's right. Ruvain is dead. Ruvain is dead. I bo- so if Ruvain's dead, why is Leah saying he's not dead? So the Gemara says, and we'll say, why is Leah saying that Ruvain's not dead? Because she wants to give a shtach to Rachel. She doesn't want Rachel to be able to get married, to get remarried. Ayah if Rachel can't get remarried, then who else can't get remarried? Leah. Rabbi say, listen to this. V'tamos nafsha implishtim ka'amra. Rabbi say, this is an incredible expression. Tamos nafshi implishtim, Rabbi say, is a, was a phrase said by Shimshon. We know the story of Shimshon, right? Shimshon was one of the Shoftim of Chal Yisrael. Shimshon, at the end of his life, is captured by the Plishtim and is blinded by the Plishtim. And the Plishtim made sport with him, right? He was, fight, he was fighting in the Philistine Colosseum. Shimshon's last act is, he says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, give me, give me strength to push down the pillars of the, of the Philistine Colosseum and bring down the Colosseum upon everyone. Even though that would mean what? Shimshon would die as well. There's an expression of Tamos Nafshi in Plishtim. So I will say the way the Gemara often uses that is that sometimes people are willing to hurt themselves if it means that they have the ability to hurt someone else. In other words, sometimes I despise someone so much that if I can go ahead and harm them, even though the roof's going to come down on me as well, <coughs> I'm willing to do that. So the Gemara says something wild. The Gemara says, when Rachel shows up and says, Ruvain's dead, and Leah says, no, he's not. No, he's not. Maybe what's really happening over here is like this. Ruvain is really dead. So why is Leah contradicting Rachel? Why? Because she wants to give it to Rachel. Aye, but she's giving it to herself as well. She's going to be compromised as well. Sometimes, again, a person is willing to do something actively detrimental to themselves if it allows them to turn to say, by the way, it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. But it happens all the time, right? I guess what's the expression, cutting off my nose despite my face? In other words, I will say that at the end of the day, some, and, and this, I'll say, I'll just point out, this is the destructive nature of kas, of anger, right? Of sinna, right? I will say, this is why the Torah says, lo sisna esachicha bilbabecha. Do not go ahead and hate your brother in your heart. I will say, why? When you harbor animosity against another person, it has a corrosive effect on who you are. And sometimes a person becomes so thoroughly corroded that at the end of the day, I'm willing to go ahead and hurt someone else, even though it hurts me. Let's just, let's just hand out jackets. It's okay. You know what? I have like PTSD from yesterday. Just, just leave it. Just leave it. Right? So, so at, 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 the, at the end of the day, I will say that, that, that's what the Torah says. If you hold animosity in your heart, it makes you do the craziest of things. So the Havamina is over here. That Leah, Leah really feels that what? Leah really, Leah really knows that Ruben is dead, but Lamaisa should rather go down with the ship. And therefore, I will say what? And therefore, Kamash Malon, no, I will say, so Kamash Malon, that's not how we interpret it. And I will say to the point, 
that even if Leah were to later on explain, I didn't really mean that Reuven was alive, I was just trying to give a shtach to Rachel, we don't believe her. So therefore, I will say, Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, in the, we don't interpret Leah's words any differently than the way she's saying them. We interpret it ultimately, again, as two different accounts of what's happening to Reuven. So Rachel could move forward based on her testimony, and Leah cannot move forward based on her testimony. Incredible. Remember again, that's case number one. So case number one is Rachel says Reuven's dead. Leah says, no, he's not. Rachel could remarry and get her ksuba. Leah cannot. Case two, Rabosai. What was case two? Case two was Achas Omeres Meis Achas Omeres Nehrag. Rachel says, Ruvain's dead. Leah says, he was killed. He was killed. So in this case, both agreeing that Halacha Lamaisa, Ruvain's dead. They're just contradicting, they just have different accounts as to how it occurred. So ultimately, you're going to say, what happens? Rabbi Meir says, Rabbi Meir says, they're contradicting each other. So because they're contradicting each other, ultimately, again, neither can remarry. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Shimon say, Halakha Lamaisa, no. They're not contradicting each other. They're both agreeing he's dead. They can both remarry. So ask the Gemara, I don't say, but little Rabbi Meir, why doesn't Rabbi Meir argue in the first case? And as say, in case number one, they're also contradicting each other. Right? They will say, what's case number one? What's case number one? Rachel says, Ruvain's dead. Shimon says, no, he's not. So Rabbi Meir, where are you in case number one? Right? If Rabbi Meir, if you're worried about people contradicting each other, I will say, Rabbi Meir's position is, when the co-wives contradict each other, what happens? Effectively, what happens? They cancel each other out. So why is Rabbi Meir silent in case number one, only commenting on case number two? To which the Gemara says, you're right, you're right. In reality, in reality, the entire discussion, she says, you're right. It's the same machlokes. Same way that Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir argues on case number two, Rabbi Meir also argues on case number one. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Shimini, Rabbi Yochanan, Amrafil, Tim, Rabbi Meir. Maybe not. So we'll say, so first opinion is Rabbi Meir will even agree, will even disagree on case number one. Second approach is, Rabbi Yochanan says, no, Afilu, Tim, Rabbi Meir. It could even be that Rabbi Meir would even agree on case number one. Why? So, Baha, Afilu, Rabbi Meir, Moda, the whole Delo, Mace, Be'edus, Isha, Lav, Hachoshehi. So we'll say, this is very interesting. Rabbi Meir holds that Allah if a woman number one comes along and says, Rubain's dead, and then woman number two, white co-wife number two says, he's not dead, Rabbi Meir says, that's not called a contradiction. Why is that not called the contradiction of Osai? Because Rashi says, this goes back to yesterday's daf, because once we accept the testimony of wife number one, then what? Then what? She's locked in. She's locked in. Tigimara says, Tanan, eight omer meis, ve eight omer lo Isha Omeres Meis, the Isha Omeres Lomes, Hare Zolo Tinase. I have Rabbi say, what do you do with the last part of the Mishnah? The last part of the Mishnah says, if one woman says he died, one woman says he didn't die, Eidechel says he died, Eidechel says he didn't die, what's that lacha? Again, they do contradict each other. Bishlam and Rabbi Lazar, Stomach Rabbi Meir. It's crazy, Rabbi Lazar, this makes sense, because Rabbi Meir holds, even in the first case, that they're contradicting each other. Elel Rabbi Yochanan Kasha. Crunch Rabbi Yochanan is going to be a Kasha. Indeed, it's a kasha. So, Rabbi say, so what happens in this case, by the way? This is very important because also, we are left off a little bit of a contradiction. When you have two eight ephods, right, or two co wives, whoever they are, contradicting each other about what happened to the husband. So, Rabbi say, what is the net effect? Remember again, based on yesterday's daf, 
if we have two eight echas contradicting each other, what's talacha based on yesterday's daf? What would you say? Once we believe the first eight echad, it sounds like the second eight echad is not believed. Yet from our Mishnah over here, it sounds like what? If two eight echads contradict each other, they cancel each other out. So we'll say, this is incredible. The Girsan Rambam, I'll quote this to you. The Girsan Rambam, I think, clarifies this whole thing. The Rambam commenting on our Mishnah says, Bo Shnehem Ke'echad. Ke'echad. See, so the Rambam makes the following chilek. If two people show up at Bezin, two eight echads, or for that matter, two co-wives show up in Bezdin and at the same time give their testimony. Rachel says he's dead. Leah says he's not dead. And they're testifying at the same time. That's when they cancel each other out. And by the way, the effect of canceling each other out is what? Is what? They cannot remarry. Status quo. Status quo. Same thing if it's not the co-wives. Two eight echas come along and say, Ruvain's dead. Ruvain's not dead. If it's ke'echad, if they're coming at the same time, they cancel each other out. Status quo remains. Yesterday's daf was talking about what? B'ze'acharzeh. Oh, b'ze'acharzeh. Eilechad shows up in Beisden. Ruvain's dead. Beisden Paskins, Rachel, you could get remarried. Here's your ksuva. And then sometime afterwards, a second Eid Echad comes. That's when we don't listen to the testimony of the second Eid Echad. So I will say fascinating. Ke'echad, ke'echad, they'll cancel each other out. B'ze'acharzeh. Once the first eight echad is locked in, second eight echad is locked out. Incredible. Mishnah, Mishnah, Ha'isha Shalchahi Yobaylam Dinasayam. Shabbat, it is getting a little chilly. It's getting a little chilly now. Hesikimar says, Ha'isha Shalcha, Ha'isha Shalcha. I shouldn't complain. It's like, Al Tiftach Tela Satan. But uh, good. Ha'isha Shalchahi Yobaylam Dinasayam. So we'll say, what happens? What happens? Salach Lamaisa, a woman goes overseas with her husband. Now we'll say, watch this case. These are really, really fascinating cases. A woman goes overseas together with her husband. Okay. Ubava Amra, she comes back from vacation. Va'amra, Mes Ba'ali. My husband died. Okay. So we'll say, simple, straightforward case. Tina say, Betito Ksubasa, Vitsara Sa'asura. So we'll say, so this is a case. Remember again, Rachel and I are married to, married to Ruvain. Right? What happens? Rachel goes overseas with Ruvain. She comes back. She says, Ruvain died. Ruvain died. So I'll say, what's Talacha? She is permitted to go ahead and remarry, collect her ksuva, but of course her co-wife is not. Because remember again, Rachel's testimony is only believed for herself, not believed for her co-wife. Okay. Therefore, we'll say, so now, now let's analyze this for just a moment. So we'll say, that's not a Chiddush. We know that. What's our, what's our, what's our question now? So what is the status of the co-wife? So therefore, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel is permitted to get married and collect her ksuva because she's believed about her own testimony. Her testimony does not work for Leah, her co-wife. So we'll say, now watch this. We'll say, let's say for argument's sake, Ruvain was a Kohen. Ruvain was a Kohen. So now again, I will say, and let's say Leah, Leah, the co-wife, was a Basisral who married a Kohen, which means... As a result of her marriage to Ruvain, she's permitted to eat what? Truma. So I will say, what's that? Look, I said, 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 I 
she is, in other words, e- even if we say that she's the widow of a coin, that's fine. She continues to teach Shuma. I will say, watch this. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, no. Rabbi Akiva says, here's the problem. I'll say, literally translated, this approach does not remove her from possible Avera. So Rabbi Akiva says something amazing. Rabbi Akiva says, here's the problem. When Rachel comes back and says that Ruvain died, and therefore based on that, we're going to say that what? Rachel could get remarried. Collect her ksuba. What's Leah's status? What's Leah's status? Right. Status quo. Rabbi Akiva says, but come on. Come on. We can't totally ignore the fact that Rachel testified that Ruvain's dead. Right? And even got remarried, collected her ksuba. So even though we're not going to allow Leah to get remarried, so Leah can't get remarried, but we also can't allow Leah to what? Eat truma. Because the concern is if Rachel's right, right? If Rachel's right, or maybe even, right? So in other words, the idea over here is because we don't know what really happened to Ruben, we can't allow Leah to continue to eat truma. Now, both sides, now this is actually very interesting. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, actually no, not yet. We'll see in the tomorrow. So let's go back to this. So both sides, this part of Rabbi Akiva is actually a little bit interesting because the truth is, no matter what happened to Ruben, so Leah should technically be permitted to go ahead. Well, actually, I take that back. We'll see, because if Ruben's really dead and Leah's a Bas Yisrael, then at the end of the day, her ability to eat Shuma really runs out. Let's see, let's go weiter. So the Gemara says as follows. Amra, Amra, Meis, Baili, Vachakach, Meis, Chami. So we'll say another case, very interesting case as well. So Rachel goes overseas, goes overseas with her husband, Ruben, and her father-in-law, Yaakov. Okay? So now she comes back. She says, So she says, my, my husband died, and then my father-in-law died. So what's Talacha? Ultimately, again, she has the ability to what? She gets remarried, collects her ksuba. What about her mother-in-law? What about her mother-in-law? Her mother-in-law is not permitted to get remarried. Now, again, remember, why is that? Because we saw yesterday's daf. A daughter-in-law is not believed to testify regarding her mother-in-law. This is one of these innate relationships where there is animosity. Therefore, if the mother-in-law was a Bas Yisrael who was married to a Kohen, so in other words, Yaakov, the father-in-law, was a Kohen, so therefore the mother-in-law is permitted to continue to eat Shuma. Talk about Shuma. Dear Rabbi Tarifon. So we'll say, once Rabbi Tarifon says, okay, her status is that she's a married woman, and therefore again, because she's a married woman, she can continue, she can continue to eat Shuma. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says no. Ein Rabbi Kiva says no. At the end of the day, her status is in doubt, and therefore what? Rabbi Kiva says no. As much as the mother-in-law cannot get remarried, she also can't eat truma. This way, we go ahead. Rabbi Kiva essentially says you have to cover your bases. As much as we're not going to believe the testimony of a co-wife or of a daughter-in-law to allow the co-wife or the mother-in-law to get remarried, we have to take it into account enough to prevent her from further eating truma. Okay, so we'll say, let's analyze. And I will say, now the truth is, the truth is, we seemingly have two redundant cases. As I will say, both cases in the Mishnah are pretty much the same, right? What's the common denominator? Case number one, case number one, is Rachel comes back, 
testifies that her husband Ruvain died, or Ruvain the Kohen died, right? And therefore, what's Talacha? Talacha is her testimony is believed regarding herself, but not believed regarding her co-wife. Therefore, she can get remarried, take electric suva, but her co-wife cannot. Rabbi Tarifin says, Rabbi Tarifin says, therefore again, her co-wife continues as a regular married woman, meaning she could continue to teach Shuma. Rabbi Akiva says no. She remains, she can't get remarried, but she also can't continue to teach Shuma. Case number two, Rachel goes overseas with her husband, her father-in-law, comes back and says they both died. What's Talacha? Rachel could get remarried, collect her ksuva, but her mother-in-law cannot. And Rabbi Tarifun says, the mother-in-law could continue to teach Shuma. Rabbi Akiva says, no, she can't. So we'll say, it's the same case. It's the same case. To which the Gemara says, it's Tricha. Why do in both cases? I'll tell you why. Di'it marhach kamaisa. If it would have just said the first case, bahakam Rabbi Tarifun mishum de tzara de gufa. See, the say, I would have said that perhaps again, Rachel is not believed. Why? Because there is a physical deprivation she suffers because of her co-wife, Leah. They have to share the same husband. They have to share the same husband. So that physically affects Rachel. That's why, again, she's totally not believed in this case. Ultimately, again, in the case of a mother-in-law, how much harm could a mother-in-law do to a daughter-in-law? Right? So I'll say, at most, what type of harm is it? Verbal harm. Verbal harm. Maybe in that case, ultimately, again, Rabbi Akiva argues, I'm sorry, abuses with Rabbi Akiva. If we just said the first case, therefore it's both cases. Rabbi Huda says the name of Shmuel that the halacha follows Rabbi Tarfon, which means what Rabbi say. Rabbi Tarfon holds that whenever, whenever a woman is not believed regarding another woman, whether it's her tzara or her co-wife, the co-wife and the mother-in-law remain in their total marital state, which means that halacha if they're married to a kohen, they could even what continue to eat truma. So the Gemara says, We're going to see that if a woman goes overseas and she left, she left town without children and she claims she had children and therefore, and afterwards she says, then she claims my, husband, my son died and then my husband died. We'll see this case in the next Mishnah. She is believed. But if she claims my husband died and then my son died, and therefore she's not subject to Yibum, she is not believed. But for her words, which we make her do Chalitza, not do Yibum. So the Gemara We see that we only take her words into account for herself, but not for her Tzara. So there will be Paskin in both of these cases as follows. In case number one, where Rachel comes back from overseas and she says, Reuven is dead. Reuven is dead. So she is believed regarding herself. Namely, she can get remarried and collect her Ksuba. What's the impact of her testimony upon Leah, her co-wife? What's the impact? Zero. Which means Leah is still considered to be a fully married woman. And if Reuven was a Kohen, Leah is eligible to what? Continue to eat Truma. So Rachel's words have absolutely no impact on Leah on any level. Similarly, if Rachel goes overseas with her husband and her father-in-law, and she comes back and she says, 
My husband died, Ruvain died. My father-in-law, Yaakov, died. A whole family of Kohanim. So she is believed regarding herself. She could remarry. She could collect her ksuva. What's the impact of her testimony on her mother-in-law? Zero. Which means that her mother-in-law is still married and the mother-in-law is still entitled to what? Eat truma. That's how he paskin. Good about say, I'm a base. New Mishnah. Kidesh achas mechamesha. say, this is such a fascinating case. Listen to this. A man was Makadesh, one of five women. Ve'ein yodea ezokidesh. You're not sure. This is what I say. Don't drink at the chazan's dish, right? It's, it's a good idea. Don't drink at the chazan's dish, right? See, he, he did. He went ahead and he did kiddushin with one woman, but he's not sure which one. Now, say, now what happens? So yeah, five, here's the good news. Here's the good news. We've narrowed it down to five, right? So we'll say, so it's one of five women. So what's the so we'll say, so here's the problem. So that's okay. Maybe you'd say that by, by itself is a problem. The problem is compounded. Why? Here's what I will say. All five are claiming, right, that they are the one. Right? So now, now we have a problem. So we know it's one of these five, right? We don't know which one. And or each, each woman is claiming, I'm the one. All right. Similarly, so we'll say, so what, so what do you do? So what do you do in this case? <laughs> what are you doing? Go overseas, right? That's what you're doing, right? Go overseas. So the Gemara says, no, no, you have to rectify the situation. No sin get lacholachos vachos. Okay, you give a get to each woman. Shall I say, here's a shadow. What do you do with the ksuva? With the ksuva. Watch this. So the first thing, Rabbi Tarpon says, What do you do? You drop a bag of ksuva money in the middle and run. Run, right? Run. Good. From the Stalin, give Rabbi Tarfon. Rabbi Kiro here says, no. No, 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 no. Omer, ain't zudech motzim de avera, ad shiten get uksuva lechol achaz vachaz. Rabbi Kiro says, no. That's not the right derech. Right? The right derech is just like you give a get to each of these women, you give each of them a ksuva as well. Give each of them a ksuva as well. They're both saying, now the truth is, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva is almost saying like, lifnim mishuras hadin. That this is the correct, even if you look at his lashon, if you want, what's the path that removes you from wrongdoing? Pay each of them. Both say, if you think about this, just in a simple Dine Mamanus. Now both say again, Dine Mamanus 101 says that what? When there is Maman Amutabasafek, right? When you have ultimately, again, you're not sure about money. Remember, the obligation always rests upon who? The extractor. Hamotzi Mechavera Alav Harayim. So I'll say it's no different in this case over here. All five women are claiming that they're the wife. Okay, prove it. So you give each of them a get, give each of them a get. When it comes to the monetary compensation, Rabbi Tafur really seems to be the correct approach. Put the bag of money there and look, the truth is, I'm paying a ksuva. Who, who, who is entitled to this? You guys figure it out. So Mar goes weiter. What's fascinating. I stole from, I stole from someone. I know that it's one of five people. I don't know which one. I don't know who is the affected party. Who is the victim? Who is the victim of his party? Everyone's claiming that what? That what? They're the victim. So what's Talocha? Maniach Gzela Rabbi Tarifin says, put the stolen object, put the stolen object in the middle and run. In other words, I, I have to return the stolen object. It's not clear who I stole from. I'm, I'm returning the stolen object. They work here. Rabbi Tarfon says, no. 
Rabbi Kiva says, well, say first wide line, that's not the way to rectify your wrongdoing. You have to pay back each of the aggrieved parties. Shabbosay, I'll point out, by the way, you notice that the cases in the mission are not symmetrical. Right? Shabbosay, the first case is a case of Kiddush, and the second case is what? Avera. Avera. Shabbosay, so again, already we're going to see that these cases are not the same. So let's analyze this a little bit. Shabbosay, so the Gemara says, well, say, first white line, Kofir Chesmabe is 118b. Kiddush Katani, Baal Lo Katani. Gozal Katani, Lakach Lo Katani. Shabbosay, this is interesting. The first case of the Mishnah is Kiddush. The Rebbe say, the Pashtos, Kiddush means what? How did you affect Kiddushin? How did you affect Kiddushin? Money. Money. As opposed to a case of Baal, where you affected Kiddushin through Bia. The Rebbe say, we know, right? Kiddushin, Bezim, and Aleph. There are three ways to affect Kiddushin. Kasef, Shtar, and Bia. Money, a document, and relations. The Rebbe say, Chazal said, Chazal did not want people affecting Kiddushin with Bia. In fact, to do Kiddushin with Bia is an Isra Durabanam. So I will say, it's interesting to note over here as follows. The Lashon of the Mishnah is Kiddush. Right? So Kiddush sounds like he's affecting Kiddushin with money. Ba'alo Katani. So if you look at the second Mishnah, Gozal Katani, the Mishnah sets it up as a case of theft. Lakach Lo Katani. So I will say, Lakach means what? So Gezal means theft as opposed to what? A case of a purchase. In other words, you could have set up the second case of the mission as what? I bought an item from someone. I didn't yet pay them. Right? But now, I don't know who I bought it from. It's one of five people. Each of the five people say what? You bought it from, you owe me the money. It doesn't say that. Instead, it says a case of gezel. So watch this. Money must be sent. So who's going to be this mission reflect? So the Gemara says, Lo Tanakam of Lo Rabbi Shimon Al-Lazar. It's not the Tanakam, it's Rabbi Shimon Why not? What's the Zita this? This this is fascinating. So we'll say, Rabbi Akiva, don't disagree in the following case. Where a man was Mekadesh woman. We'll say, Mekadesh with what? With what? What? Kesef. So in the case where a man was Mekadesh woman, one of five women, and he doesn't know who he was Mekadesh, Shamaniach Ksuva Benehen, Umistalik. Then ultimately, I will say, what does he do? He places the ksuva in front of them. He places the ksuva in front of them. And ultimately, what could he do? What could he do? He leaves. He walks away. So I will say, Amanechleku al Shabbat. I will say, now, here's what's interesting. According to, according to Shimon al Lazar, he was like this. Rabbi Tanaf and Rabbi Akiva both agree. In a non Avera case, like a case, we were a Makadish woman with money. And you don't know who you are Makadish. So I will say, what do you have to do? In terms of a get, you have to give a get to each of them. When it comes to ksuva, what do you have to do? What do you have to do? Just place one bag of ksuva money in the middle and walk away. And walk away. Amal mechluku. Where is the mechlokis Rabbi Kiv Rabbi Tafon? Al Shabal. Oh. The mechlokis Rabbi Kiv Rabbi Tafon Rabbi says where? In the case of Avera. Where a man was Makadish Babiya and he doesn't know which woman it was. Rabbi Tarfan, Rabbi Tarfan says, In that case, Rabbi Tarfan says, All you have to do is leave one bag of money in the middle and walk away. Rabbi Kiva says, No. You did something wrong. We're going to penalize you. How are we going to penalize you? You did, you did Kiddushin Babiya, 
You're going to have to pay a ksuva to each of these women. Similarly, Similarly, again, Rabbi Shimon Al-Azhar says that the Akiva Rabbi Tafran agree. If you purchase something from someone, right, one of five people, and you don't know who it is, and all five people are claiming, are claiming, I'm the seller, that what's Talachah? That you put the money, the purchase money in the middle, and you could absent yourself. Now we'll say, what's the case of Machlokes? You stole from one person. Five people are claiming to be the victim. In that case, Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Tarfon says, still put the object back in the middle and walk away. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, on the other hand, says, no, you have to pay back each of the potentially aggrieved parties. Shabbosai, I want to point out something very interesting. According to Rashim and Al-Azhar, it's a very interesting approach. He holds that Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Akiva agree in these cases of doubt, if the, we'll call it the perpetrator, did nothing wrong, he's not financially penalized. Where does the Machlokes come up? Where he did something wrong. He was Mekadish Bebiya, or he stole. In that case, Rabbi Tarfon will still say, all he's obligated is to do, give one ksuva, or repay one item. Rabbi Kiva says, no, you did something wrong, you're going to be penalized. Five ksuvas. You have to repay the item to five potential aggrieved victims. So says that in the case of Kiddish Velakach, in other words, non-illegal activity, that Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi don't disagree, or they agree, Tanakama must hold that they do disagree. So money, who's the famous Mishnah? Eat Tanakama, listen to Kiddish Velakach. If it's the Tanakama, let the Tanakama say, let the Tanakama Tana say, Kiddish Velakach. Not Kiddish V'gazal. Either B'shem al-Lazar, listening Baal V'gazal. And if B'shem al-Lazar, let the Mishnah say a case of Baal and Gazal. To which the Gemara says, the Olam, Rabbi Shem al-Lazar, Shabbos Sevilis, Rabbi Shem al-Lazar. Umay Kiddish, what's the case of Kiddish of the Mishnah? The case of Kiddish ultimately again is Bibiya. It's the case of Kiddish Bibiya. To which the Gemara says, Tana Kiddish, lo di'acha kofod Rabbi Akiva. And both say, therefore, the Mishnah Dafka does a case of Kiddish. That even in a case of Kiddish, coming to teach us the power of Yikiva's position, the Afagav, the Isidrabanan Abin, even though all he did in this case was an Isidrabanan, he did Kiddushin Nebiyah, nevertheless, Kanas, Chazal penalized him. It says he has to give a Ksuba to each of these women. The Yimar says, Tana Gazal, suddenly again we go and we put a case of Gazal, of Yochan Kochad Rabbi Tarfon, the Afagav, the Isidrabanan Abin, Lo Kanas. And we go ahead and we highlight the case of Gazal, ultimately again to teach us what? That even though he did an act and he said, all right, so according to Rabbi Tarfon, he only has to pay back one person. And we'll say, how do we pass in Allah Chalamaisa? So we'll say, essentially, Allah Chalamaisa, we'll pass in like this. If it's a case of Nanavera, case of Nanavera, we'll pass in like Rabbi Tarfon. Namely, you're a Makadish woman with money. One of five, you don't remember who. Each of the five claims that Allah Chalamaisa, it was me. So what's the Allah you have to give a get to each of them, but only one ksuba. You put the ksuba down in the middle and run. Run like no one's business, right? That's how you pass in that case. The Bible says, similarly, again, if you purchased an item, but you don't know who the purchaser is, and all five people are claiming that Allah, it's me, it's me, what do you do? Put one payment in the middle and run. 
They will say, what's the logic of that? By the way, it makes sense. What's the logic? Because they will say, in this case, four out of the five people are lying. See, I will say, in this case, I'm not the guy who did something wrong. Okay, I was a little sloppy in how I got married, right? But Lamaisa, again, I didn't commit an Isser. I didn't commit an Isser. Four out of the five women over here are lying. I might have been sloppy how I affected the purchase, but four out of the five people claiming to be the seller are lying. So in those cases, we pass the grab we pass the guitar phone, give each woman to get, put one soup in the middle, put the payment in the middle, and that's it. They both say, conversely, conversely, in the case where I committed in Avera, it's fascinating. There, we pass like Rabbi Akiva, I'm passing Rabbi Akiva, which makes sense. Because if I, bless you, if I committed an Avera, bless you, if I committed an Avera, then the onus is on me. So I was Mekhade Shuman Bebiya, that is an Isser de Rabbanon. I shouldn't have done that. Okay, you're sloppy with an Isser, then Lamais, again, the onus is upon me. I have to pay a Ksuva to each of these women. I stole, I stole, and I don't know from whom I stole. Ultimately, again, it's, I will say it's a knas. I just want to point out it's a penalty. It's a penalty. I would, right? So now I want to do tshuva. I have to give out tshuva. Okay, you know who you stole from? Pay back all five people. Fascinating. So again, in non-Avera cases, we pass the Gabi Tarifon. In Avera case, we pass the Gabi here. We'll say last mission of the last mission of the parak. Here we go. Fascinating. Ha'isha shalcha b'hi'u ba'ilam dinasayam. Listen to this. Woman goes overseas. Back to these cases. Woman goes overseas with her husband. So we'll say, what happens? So, ubna imayim. She goes overseas with her son. Family vacation. Her son, her husband, herself. So I will say, she comes back and she says, listen, unfortunately, everyone died. But I will say, remember again, the order of how people died is very important. Right? Let's just talk about it just a moment. Remember again, I will say, right? If her husband dies first and then her son, then what? No yibom. If her son dies first and then her husband, yibom. So I will say, so her, her testimony over here is not just about who died, but the order of how they died is incredibly important as well. So watch this. So the Gemara says, She comes back and she says, My husband died, and then my son died. Right? So what's Ta'alacha? Ne'emenes. She's believed. And I will say, now why is she believed? So the truth is, she's believed because Halacha that's her Chazaka when she left. Right? Her Chazaka when she left town is that she was a woman who was not subject to evil because she had a child. Her, I said her husband had a child. So if she comes back and she says, everyone died, it was first my husband, then my son, okay, we accept that testimony. However, But I will say, watch this. If she comes back and she says, my son died and then my husband died, she's not believed. They both say, why is she not believed? That's just fascinating. She's believed to say her husband died. What she's not believed, I will say, is what? to make herself muteras to the Yavam. See, I will say, that far we're not going to go, because if we accept her testimony, that her son died and then her husband died, based on that, we're going to permit her to marry her brother-in-law. So I will say, so remember again, when it comes to her own testimony, we're, allowing, we're, we're willing to let her get remarried. We're willing to let her get remarried. But apparently allowing her to go ahead and be matur in Erba, that we're not ready to do. However, the choshish in we don't totally discount her words, and therefore, the cholat says, Velo misyameles. And we'll say, what we will do in that case is, we kind of accept her words. In other words, so, we'll make her do chalitza, but we'll not allow her to do yibo. That way, again, if she's, if she's telling the truth, we're covered. 
And if she's not telling the truth, then what? Well, as we know, chalitza really never, right? Chalitza never hurts, so to speak. It doesn't compromise anyone. So the Gemara goes right there. Meet, well, says that's case one. Case two. Meet, tell me, Ben, Gnesayam. She wants to listen to this. Let's say she goes overseas with her husband, right? And what happens? She leaves town, no child. She then comes back, she claims, I had a child while I was overseas. And what happened? My son died. And then my husband died. So we'll say in this case, she's believed. Why? So why is she believed? Because what is she now saying? I'm subject to evil. That's fine. Why? Why? That's the chazaka with which she left town originally. Right? She left town as a woman whose husband didn't have children. So now she's okay, I had a kid. The kid died. Then my husband died. Fine. Mace by the she comes back and she says, I had a child overseas, my husband died, and then my son died. So we'll say in this case, she's not believed. Why? Because now her testimony is saying she's not subject to evil, but yet her previous chazaka was that she was subject to evil. Yet, but we'll heed her words. How so? We'll make her do chalitza and not yibum. Watch this case. She goes overseas with her husband and mother-in-law. She, right, I will say now again, when they leave, when they leave, her husband is an only child. Right? She comes back and she says, a lot happened over vacation. My mother-in-law had a son. My mother-in-law had a son. Right? I will say, and what? It's number one, my mother-in-law had a son. Right? And what happens? So therefore, I will say, what happens? Amra mes me. And then what happens? She says, my husband died, and then his brother died. Ultimately, again, Amra mes me. Or yibmi vachach mes baili. Or I will say, or she says, my brother-in-law died, and then my husband died. So ultimately, ne'amenes. So I will say, she's believed. Why is she believed, I will say? Because once again, it's all about chazaka. She left, when she left town, she had a chazaka of what? That there's no yibam in her family. Why is there no yibam in her family? Because her husband has no siblings. So she goes back and she says, my mother-in-law had a son. The son died, and then my father, my husband died. My husband died, then my son died. Okay, it's still the same chazaka. In other words, she's not subject to yibam. So I will say, halcha yib. So I will say, the bottom line is, the point over here, the Mishnah is, when she comes back, right? She goes overseas and she comes back. So testifying that her husband is dead, that's the easy part, so to speak. Right? Lemaisa, all of these other pieces, if these other pieces fit into the chazaka that she had when she left town, we'll believe her. If, if ultimately these additional pieces of information do not fit with the chazaka she had when she left town, then what? We will not believe her, but we'll be choshish for her words. Last case, I will say, or second last case, listen to this. So she goes overseas with her husband and her brother-in-law, right? So she's traveling, so Rachel goes overseas with her husband Ruben and her brother-in-law Shimon. So what happens? Amra, she says, my husband died and then my brother-in-law died. Or Or she says, my brother-in-law died and then my husband. She's not believed. And I will say, why should not believe? Because I will say, this is a separate halacha. A woman is only believed to say what I will say, that her husband died. She's not believed, she's an Eid Echad, 
right, when it comes to the fact that anyone else died. So when she goes overseas with her husband and her brother-in-law, she comes back and she says, my husband and my brother-in-law died. Whatever order she dies in, we don't listen to her regarding anything regarding her brother-in-law. Right? You will say, why? Because she is not believed to give aidus regarding her brother-in-law. So what we'll listen to her is that her husband's dead. But I will say, the problem just is now, she's, she's subject to evil. If her husband died and there's no children, she's subject to evil. Aye, she's saying, my love, I'm dying. The brother-in-law died. She, her testimony is not accepted regarding that. So the Gemara says, similarly, Just like a woman is not believed to say that her sister died. Right? In, in the, in, in, which would allow her to what? To marry her brother-in-law. Right? She's not believed to say her sister died to marry her brother-in-law. Similarly, a man is not believed to say, my brother died, and therefore I'm ready to do Yibam with my sister-in-law. Nor is a man believed to say, my wife died, which would permit him then to marry her sister. Let's say fasting Allah. So, say, so again, this last piece is very interesting, which is, or the third to last piece, which is that when the wife goes overseas with her husband and her brother, her brother-in-law, that if she comes back and says they both died, she is only believed regarding her husband, not believed her yavam. And I will say, that's not just in her yavam. The only time we're accepting a woman's testimony is when, is when, regarding her own husband. But Lamaisa, regarding anything else, ultimately she's not really going to be believed. The only time she is believed, I will say, is when what she's testifying about confirms the Chazaka she already had. Says the Gemara, I will say, very interesting case. So I will say, it's interesting, the Gemara doesn't discuss any of the cases. The cases, as they're quoted in the Mishnah, is Allah Chalmaisa. But watch this case, I will say, fascinating. Let's finish up the parak. say, a little bit of background to this. There is a concept in Halacha of Zachin La'adam Shalom Bifanov that you could do something beneficial for a person even without their knowledge or consent. But I will say it has to be something objectively beneficial. So for example, I walk out of shul, I find a $100 bill. I say, you know what? I know Ruvain likes $100 bills. He's told me before. He really has an affinity. He collects them, right? He collects them. So I say, I say you know what? I'm acquiring this $100 bill on behalf of Ruvain. I, Ruvay never appointed me as a shaliach. He never appointed me as an agent. There's a concept of zochnin la'adam shalom b'farav. You could do something beneficial for someone on their behalf without their consent as long as it is objectively beneficial. Watch this. Now, let's see, here we go. Ruvain, Ruvain wants to go ahead. Ruvain wants to go ahead and... Um, okay, Ruvain, let's keep it simple. Ruvain wants to go ahead and appoint an agent to receive a get on his behalf. In other words, so Ruben's married to Rachel, right? And we'll say, by the way, you can paint this case, right? Ruben's on his deathbed, whatever it's right, so let's, let's paint it like that, right? Ruben's dying. Ruben has no children, right? Ruben has a brother, Shimon. Ruben doesn't want his wife to have to do evil, right? So what does Ruben want to do? He wants to divorce his wife, not because he doesn't love her, just the opposite, because he loves her. He does not want her to have to deal with evil. So I will say, see now, Ruben appoints a shaliach, Yehuda. He says, Yehuda, be mekabel this get on behalf of my wife. So I will say, so the shayla is, can Ruvain do that? And I will say, what does it hinge on? What does it hinge on? Does receiving a get in order to exempt you from yibum, is that a schus, is that something objectively beneficial? So watch this. So the Gemara says, 
So do we say that since potentially, since potentially Rachel really doesn't like her brother? Rabbi say now Sanya literally means despises. Rabbi say what it means is in general Yibum is complicated. Yibum is really complicated because suddenly you're thrust into a marital relationship with someone with whom you're related to, someone who perhaps you have a long history with. So do we say that at the end of the day it's in the best interest of the woman not to be in a Yibum scenario? Therefore, Therefore, it's an objective benefit. She might, might really not like her brother-in-law, and therefore, giving her a get to exempt her from Yim was a real zechos. The other possibility is, Or conversely, we could say, no. And we'll say, maybe there are times where Rachel likes her brother-in-law. Others will say, it's hard to tell. Sometimes Yibam is a bracha, Right? And sometimes Yibam is a klala. So sometimes she can really hate her brother-in-law. Sometimes she can have very warm feelings towards her brother-in-law. And Yibam can be a true blessing. So what should you do? And we learn this. So I will say the Gemara says, the answer is in our, the answer is in our Mishnah. Because I will say, what does the Mishnah say? Where she claims, where she claims that my, my husband died, my, right, my brother died. Um, my brother-in-law died, and then, and then the husband, I'm sorry, my husband died, and then the brother-in-law died. Ultimately, you know what I'm saying? So she's coming back saying, I'm subject to Yibam. What's the halacha? Cholet says, velo misyabemes. So I will say, even though we don't accept her testimony to make her subject to Yibam, we are choshish for her words. Now what does that mean? Look at Rashi. V'choshin l'dvareha, midiktani b'tar bayu choshin b'yitzia b'chaz kaset l'ashok, it's not clear. It's not clear. Sometimes Yibam is a schos, and sometimes Yibam is a chov. So therefore I will say because of that, a man could not appoint a shaliach to receive a get on his wife's behalf without her consent. So they both say, it's interesting. So, it's, and it's intuitive and obvious. Sometimes being freed from yibum will be a schos, and sometimes being freed from yibum will be a chov. So because, again, it cuts both ways, so they both say the only time you could do something unilaterally on behalf of someone without their knowledge or consent is when? When? When it's an objective benefit. So the point where the Gemara says is a man cannot go ahead and appoint a shaliach without his wife's knowledge or consent to receive a get on her behalf. Because Lama said again, sometimes being freed from evil is a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing. Good. So the Gemara goes weiter. Amr al Rabbi 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 listen to this case. Listen to this case. It's fascinating. What happens if there's a bad marriage? Bad marriage, right? And so a husband decides to appoint a shaliach to receive a get on behalf of his wife. So I'll say, so Reuven doesn't tell Rachel, right? Reuven and Rachel have a terrible marriage. Objectively terrible marriage. They're always fighting. No shalom bayis. Terrible, terrible, terrible on every level. So Reuven decides, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to go ahead and appoint a shaliach on behalf of my wife. She does, Rachel doesn't know about it, right? To receive a get on her behalf. So I will say, is this mutter? On one hand, we could say, So I will say, we could say, listen, 
On one hand, it's a terrible marriage. They're always fighting. So because they're always fighting, then what? It's a schus for Rachel to be freed from this marriage. Odilma, necha de gufa adifla. They both say sometimes, sometimes being married to someone, right, is, being, is, is better than being married to no one. To which the Gemara says, Tashma da Amrish Lakish, Tav Lamesan Tandu, Melamesiv Armala. Right, Rish Lakish says, it is better to go ahead and be with someone than to be alone. Also, I think it's a famous Ma'amar Chaza. What is that? Does it go? If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Right, something like that. I don't know which Masech, I don't know which Masech that's in. I will say, but, 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 but Lamesa, but Lamesa, I something amazing. So I will say, so th- th- this is an interesting episode. So I will say, I'll, I'll mention to you that, that, I'll mention to you that, remember, I will say, we hear this, and to us it sounds very strange. But understand, obviously, I will say, we know the Gemara has just, Bismillah like Gemara, and even, even, not, even until not so long ago, the conception of marriage was fundamentally different than the way we approach marriage. I will say, right, so today, right, contemporarily, marriage is so much about relationship, right? Marriage is about companionship, shared goals, dreams, aspirations, life vision, it's beautiful. And I will say, historically, what was marriage about? Security. Security. That's what it is. I'll say, uh, again, common goals, this, we know each other's names, you know, and, and like, and like there, 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 there's enough, there's enough to allow us to build a family together, to build a life together. These second, I'm not, I'm not minimizing the importance of these secondary pieces, just reflecting the idea that historically they, they were not part of the equation. So Ishlakish says, sometimes just having another body, Right? Sometimes just not being alone, having someone else in the house. There is shalom bias, is not shalom bias. That's a plus. Right? That's a plus. So therefore, again, the Gemara says, say, even in a case where the marriage is turbulent, there is kitata, it's not so pashit that getting a get is a schos. Is a schos quite amazing. So I'll say, the, the Gemara goes down and talks about this. The Gemara says, Abayah Rabbi says, Dishum shemana gavra kursei Rashi says over here, even if a husband is as tall as an ant. In other words, very short husband. Literally means she could put her chair amongst the free women. Others are both saying the idea that when a woman is married, it gives her status. It gives her status even if her husband is as short as an ant. What, what does that mean? Even if her husband himself doesn't have any level of social standing. Right, or a husband is not a chashev guy at all. Being a married woman gives us trouble. Like, the Gemara is backing up what we said before. That sometimes being married to someone, even if it's not a good marriage, by definition is a schusfarer because it affords her a societal status as being a married woman. Rapaba Rapaba says similarly, the gavra tikri besifi baba Even if a woman's husband is a comer of wool. Rashi says over here, Omnosa Musa Seven. So I'll say apparently combing wool was considered to be a very lowly profession. But even if a husband has a very lowly profession, his wife will still call him to sit on the front porch with her. The the idea being over here that what? That even if the husband himself has a lowly has a lowly professional standing, right? A woman still takes certain a woman still takes certain privilege. Or certain status in being married. Sagavra, Lobai Tal 
even if a woman is married to a husband who has tainted yichus, who has tainted lineage. I will say, take a look at Rashi. Rashi is the Kosa de Gabra, Shemetz Pasob Even if Lamaisa again, even if Lamaisa again, ultimately again, the husband has tainted lineage, still in that case, again, the woman will, Lo Baya Tafachilikdeira. Oh, Rashi says over here, the, they will not claim even even lentils for dinner. Rashi says, Tafachilikdeira, Adoshin Shumacho Kal, Ben Chisaron Kiskokach, even if the husband has tainted lineage, so the idea is being there's not such a great shidduch, a wife will not even ask a bowl of lentils from her husband. In other words, the idea of say, all of these things paint the same picture, which is sometimes a woman is willing to marry someone who really doesn't have a profession, doesn't have social standing, doesn't have societal standing, because being married gives her a sense of security and social standing. Rasa Vigimara says, Tana Vikulon Mizanos Vitolos Valen. An interesting conclusion over here to the Tarak. But sometimes, sometimes, unfortunately, again, the reason why sometimes people could enter into these kind of marriages is why? Because Halakha marriage kind of gives them the cover to engage in illicit relationships. The idea being that, again, also, also sometimes when ultimately, again, there's nothing to the marriage. Well, say, I just want to point out because there's an incredible Musar Haskell on this. Come Musar Haskell. Sometimes when there's nothing in the marriage but a status of being married, people look for fulfillment in other ways. So I'll say, I'll tell you an incredible vart. You know, in the parasha, we'll say, parasha sota. It's very interesting that the Torah juxtaposes two sections. Torah talks about the individual who does not go ahead and give trumas and maestras. And right after that, right after that, ultimately what? Torah speaks about the section of sota. So Rashi actually says something very interesting. Rashi says, if you don't bring trumas and maestras, in other words, if you don't show up to the base of to see the coin, bring your trumas and maestras, I'm going to find a way to bring you to the coin. You're going to come to see the coin when you bring your wife because she's a suspected sota. I will say, what's, what's, the, what's the pshat? What's the pshat that? So I think Rashi is saying something amazing. So I will say, what kind of guy doesn't go ahead and give trumas and isis? Let's take a look. What kind of guy doesn't give trumas and isis? Someone who is stingy. I will say, if you're stingy with your money, chances are you're stingy with your emotions as well. And if you're not a sharing person with the common Libyan, it's quite possible that you're not a sharing person with your wife as well. And I will say, if a man is not willing to share of his resources and of his emotions with his wife, it is only a matter of time until she seeks that fulfillment elsewhere. Doesn't condone her actions at all. But where there is not fulfillment in a marriage, by definition, people seek out fulfillment in all kinds of ways. So I will say, the Gemara is saying over something amazing. As much as a woman would rather remain married because marriage affords her some level of status, just know that if all the marriage gives her is status, unfortunately, the other pieces of marriage, the fulfillment of marriage, the emotions of marriage, the intimacy of marriage will be sought out elsewhere. Tomorrow, begin the last tarik of Shkoyach.